I love Burn the Haystack because I'm a deep thinker and I like to challenge old traditions to make way for a brighter future. That's also why I chose to get my degree from Avondale University College. With a thriving community of believers, I was able to kickstart my career and grow my faith at the same time. Business, arts, teaching, nursing or ministry. Called to make a difference? Called to be at Avondale. Have you ever been reading the Bible and come across something and you had no idea what it was about? Well, I definitely have, and I'm sure Jesse has as well, right? Absolutely. Uh, And today, we're about to embark on a brand new series called Reading Scripture Responsibly. If you've ever had any questions or wonderings about what the Bible is, how to read it, how to engage with it, especially here in a 21st century context, today we are going to unpack what the Bible is and what the Bible isn't. Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I am Josh. And this is a show all about saving the best and burning the rest. Absolutely. And we are back for season four. I thought you were going to say season five for a second there. I was like, can he save it? Slow down (laughs) there. Slow down there, mate. He's already living in the future. (laughs) I'm living in 2021, bro. Bro, all of us. All of us want to live in 2021 right now. I, I cannot wait. <laughs> Could 2020 get worse? Honestly. No, actually, Dude, I shouldn't say that. It will get worse. It will. <laughs> I, me- I remember at the end of 2019, we were like, I cannot wait for this year to be over. I can't wait for 2020 to come around. Little did we know, man. Little did we know. I thought 2019, the worst part of 2019 was probably Game of Thrones finale being terrible. And Ooh. and look what, look what happened this year. I mean, <laughs> 2019 was a walk in the park, man, compared to... Compared to this lovely year. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. All good. I don't know. But hey, it's great to be back for another season. I I don't know about you, but I feel I feel rested. I feel excited. It has been a it's been a minute since we've sat down to record the old podcast. So uh I'm yeah. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, it's good to be back, man. I missed you. Mm. I miss you too. It's been longer for you as well, hey, because you you've had like seven seven weeks off, hey. Yeah, yes, I have. Um, in case everybody's not informed, I'm now a father. Feel free to park, pull over, cheer, um, stop your gym yeah. workout, yell out in your gym how happy you are. Um, I'm happy. I'm having a great time. That's cool. <laughs> How's How is fatherhood? How is fatherhood? You don't sleep much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the first point that I've noticed. Um, you kind of wing it a lot. I mean, you know, you learn as much as you can and read what you can, but at the same time, Baby's crying. You're just like, well, try this. Did that work? No, try that. Try this. Try that. See how it goes. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they keep crying and then you keep trying other things. So, and sometimes they just cry. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you get, you get very patient as well. I feel like I'm, I feel like my patience is growing because you just, you know, you got this screaming mouth next to your head sometimes. All the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not always crying. When they're not crying, it's great. Um, yeah. And sometimes there's crying and you're like, wow. I've been, I've been listening to this for like an hour and <laughs> do you just drone it out? Is it like the traffic outside your window? You just like drone it out after a while? You can't, you kind of have to, yeah. but I mean, okay. No, well, side note as well. I mean, there are a lot of like, it, it you, you, people do have to be careful because it can really get to your head. Yeah. You know, there's midwives and stuff have told us like, you know, it's, if, if it's ever getting frustrating and you, you feel like you're losing your mind, it's okay to put the baby down for a minute, go step outside listen to the quiet, come back yep. in, you know, the ba- as long as the baby's fed and warm and all that, like they'll be fine. But it's just like, so I can see why they like, there's a lot of focus on mental health for parents and it is very important. So anyway, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I'm really, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. That's awesome, man. Ah, well, congratulations once again. I'm sure everybody's like cheering you guys on. Having Thanks. a baby is such a, such a huge step. So hashtag brave. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Hashtag millions of humans have done it before me, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I, 
it's it's a weird it's a weird time of life to be in though because like I remember we went through we all went through the graduating high school stage and everybody's graduating high school and then everybody was getting into college or university and then everybody mm-hmm. was graduating and then sort of like in between that and then later on everybody's getting married and then a bunch of people get divorced and then well <laughs> unfortunately that's kind of like a reality yeah, I, yeah it is it is a reality I just didn't think we were going to bring that part up, but okay. Yeah. Yep. But then everybody's having babies. Yeah. 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 So. so yeah, mm. it's, I mean, it's, but it's weird. Cause this one, like, I feel like a lot of weddings, obviously graduations all happened at the same time. A lot of weddings happen at the same time, but kids, yep. it's all really random times. Yeah. So, yep. but mind you, 2020, a lot of people I know are having babies this year. So I feel like it's yeah. the year to do it. And I mean, doing it during COVID was weird. Like the, ba- like, <laughs> The, my friends had like their baby, but he couldn't be in the delivery room because okay, yeah, you know, isolation and all that kind of stuff. So Oof. hard time to hard time to have babies. Yeah. yeah. So my heart, if if any of our listeners are currently in that stage, heart goes out to you. Much love. Hope it's all going well. Stay strong. I do think we're going to see a lot of births at the end of this year because I think isolation has probably produced a few conceptions. That's well, just yeah. For that part of the process. Isolation probably hasn't been bad at all. So, <laughs> yeah. But anyway. I think isolation, you know, I think isolation in some ways has been like great for certain people and like really bad for others. So I think, you know, like it's been that sort of make or break for a lot of relationships, not just marriages, but like relationships and housemates and parents and children and and things like that. So it's all very, yeah, yeah it's all very interesting. <laughs> It's pretty testing because, I mean, when you, <laughs> by the way, guys, we'll get into the content we've planned a little bit later, but this is like, you know, we're catching up after ages, so it's important. Yeah. <laughs> but I think um, like mo- when you think about marrying someone, it's not, you're not like spending 24-7 with them. Like you both have your lives and things you do and um, yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty different dynamic in any relationship. So it's understandable that some people struggle with it and both working from home is yeah. pretty hard if you're not used to it because some people are different people at work than they are at home <laughs> this is yeah. true this is very very true oh man yeah 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 so. that's crazy oh um yeah well hey look th- today I- i'm excited to jump back into season four but i think i'm even more excited about the content that we're going to be talking about today because we're, we thought that we'd start this season off with a series. Um, we're pastors. We love series. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah. I'll just say on, on, on my part, this what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks is probably the thing that I get the most excited about uh, in podcasting and what we've done because we're going to do a series on how to read the Bible. And we're kind of tentatively titling this series Reading um, Scripture Responsibly, uh, which is a great little um, callback to uh, a great big book called Reading Revelation Responsibly. I think it's Michael Gorman. Um, Michael Gourmet. (laughs) How to read Revelation Spicily. (laughs) The sequel. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'll let you continue with the uh, content. I'll leave my gourmet over here. All right, sorry. Oh, my goodness, that's too much. Um, Yeah, so look, we we recognize as pastors we don't have all the answers and this series is not uh, intended to provide all the answers to uh, your Bible questions, but we do know as pastors that we encounter a lot of people who have a varying uh, relationship with the Bible, Um, Many of the people that we come into contact love the Bible and they read it every day as part of their daily devotional and it's a source of inspiration and comfort and hope. But there are also a great many people that we come into contact with in our daily ministry that are confused by the Bible, that find parts of it problematic and sometimes just plain don't understand how the heck to read this thing. Um, We're actually living in an age where, funnily enough, I mean, the Bible is now probably the most accessible it's ever been in all of history. But at the same time, Bible literacy seems to be actually quite low for how accessible it is Um, because it is a complicated book um, in a a lot of ways. Some parts of it are more simple than others, but yeah, it's got complications and nuances and unless you actually take time with it and work on it, 
it's mm. hard to fully understand what the Bible's all about. And so we are actually living in an age where a lot of people, even though they have access to it, don't necessarily know what they're reading. Yeah. So to that end, we our series is is all about how we can read the scriptures responsibly. It's how we can read the Bible responsibly. Um, and we thought that we'd start out with uh, a, an episode on what the Bible isn't. Um, this episode is kind of intended to clear up some of the misconceptions that you or the people around you may have about it. And hopefully this might shed some light into what the Bible isn't. And of course, later on, we'll also talk about what the Bible is. Um, so ready to jump in, Josh? I am wearing my diving outfit, my scuba gear. I am ready for the dive. Perfect analogy. I love in. it. Let's. <laughs> so I, I think I think a good place to start is talking about what the Bible isn't, and we have a couple of thoughts on what the Bible isn't. And this isn't exhaustive, but the very first thing that I think most of us think about, uh, or at least one of the first things that most of us think about when uh, when we think about the Bible is is like a collection of theology, just like a theological textbook um yeah <laughs> yeah i think textbook is the key word there of what the bible definitely is not yes <laughs> it would be great if it included a textbook yeah but yeah but it, it didn't it doesn't, didn't. E- even even certain parts of the bible which are more quote-unquote textbook like like the book of romans um are not actually pure forms of theology just straight um, and it, certainly I think that the term that I would use is it's not a, it's not a systematic theology textbook. Um, and if you don't know what systematic theology is, basically it's a form of theology and the aim of it is to arrange religious truths in a self-consistent whole. If you Google what systematic theology is, that's what it's going to tell you. Mm. Um, so systematic theology is really about, really about codifying truths and beliefs and um, assertions about a spiritual reality so that you can have an easy to read chunk size um, con- concise list of what we are for and what we are against yeah. and as it's much as stringing yeah. together a bunch of tiny ideas about tiny pictures of God into making, here is a big statement about God based on all these tiny pictures of God in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a mosaic. Like no, a, mosaic. a mosaic. Like a collage. <laughs> well, you know, when I think of this picture, I almost think of like the, you know, in the movies where you have like the crazy person with their, with their pin board full of like pieces of paper yes. that are all strung together with yarn, yarns of wool or whatever like that. Yeah, like solving the crime kind of. Yes. Yeah. Like you're a detective and I have to put all these pieces together in order to figure out what this thing is all about. So if I want to know, for instance, about heaven and hell, I'm going to go to Revelation or I'm going to talk about or I'm going to look at Jesus's teachings on on heaven and hell, maybe the the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, or, or maybe I'll go to the Pauline letters and I'll, talk, I'll, I'll look at Thessalonians where he talks about um, the resurrection and things like that. Uh, and so what we often try to do is we try to look at the Bible like it's these this this disparate collection of theological statements and uh, truisms, and we put them together in a sort of proof texting way in order to create a theological picture. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good. That's actually a good picture of what we're talking about. That that board with all the ideas strung together and suspects and all that. That's really good. It's a yeah. great way to visualize systematic theology. Yeah, but uh, the Bible is not. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> which is, I mean, you can get systematic theology from the Bible, but it's not like r- written for that express. I don't know how to, how to, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. written. It's not really like a textbook. Like, here is a systematic theology of God. It's not laid out perfectly and clearly for us like that. Yeah, I think th- I think the the overarching theme with these uh, these four what the Bible isn't um, is going to be that the scriptures contain but are not completely focused on one two three four. So yeah, yeah. the scriptures contain theology, 
And um, there are certain parts of the scripture that um, contain more theology than others, because of course we recognize that the Bible has different um, genres and in different, you know, literary styles. Um, but the reality is we can't just like flip to page 524 to find the exact answer to the question that yeah. we might want in every culture and every time. If I'm a German from the 17th century or if I'm a modern person from India and we both have the same question or similar questions, we can't just flip to the Bible in our own context and culture and be able to be satisfied in exactly the same way by the scriptures. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that's the, that's the thing. I mean, we we kind of... We remove we remove the Bible from its its history and context a lot, which we make it. That's when we start trying to make it feel like a textbook. But you got to it's like real people writing to real people in real times, real situations, real places, all that. So mm. sort of has to be included. Obviously, we've talked about that before. But anyway, yeah, just a mm. little side thing I'd add. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the other reasons why scripture cannot be just considered a theological textbook is it just doesn't give us answers to every question. Um, It's not an exhaustive text, even though uh, it might feel exhaustive sometimes to read through the entire uh, book. Like I know people who uh, read through the entire Bible in like a month or like sometimes even a week, which is insane. Yeah, that's... I'm pretty sure it's um, Brian Houston who actually reads through the Bible in a week, like once a year or something like that. Um, really? Yeah. Man. I heard him preach it in a sermon once. I was impressed and also confused and <laughs> <laughs> all, all at the same time. Um, I mean, I believe it. He, I mean, if you've ever listened to a Brian Houston sermon, he throws in a lot of scripture, like from yeah. a lot of different points in the Bible. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there has to be a... He'd have to know the book pretty well by like yeah. just by how much he throws in. Well, at least that's yeah. what comes across anyway when you. So anyway, yeah. yeah. But he, even so, even the vi- the Bible is a vast, vast book. It doesn't have a, an answer to every question. You know, unfortunately, um, the Bible doesn't tell us what happens to dogs and cats in heaven. Do we do we get our cats and dogs back when we go to heaven? I've heard people ask that over and over again, and yeah. unfortunately, the Bible's just silent on that subject. Um, even when it comes to things that the Bible does talk about, like heaven and hell, um, we have, I mean, our, our faith tradition has a fairly set in stone uh, belief around um, the existence of a literal heaven and hell. And many other faith traditions have systematic theologies around them. But even if, even with that having been said, it's fine to have beliefs, but when it comes to things about heaven and hell, the, the scriptures are also kind of ambiguous when it comes to certain aspects of what that's actually going to be like. We don't have all the answers uh, when it comes to even the things that the scriptures tell us about. Um, yeah. Well, even I'm telling people what heaven's going to be like, the answer to that, we, I get asked all the time as a pastor. Are we gonna have are we gonna have this in heaven? Or like are we gonna what are we gonna do in heaven? Like what's this gonna be like? I don't know. We don't we don't know. It's it's anyway, yeah, that's yeah. we're gonna get into that a little bit more later. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's so much that that's unsaid that it's difficult to see it like a textbook. Yeah. Um, the second thing that the Bible isn't is it is not a guide for moral living. Or another way that you could say it is it's not a guide for how to be a good person. Um, Like what we just talked about with the Bible not being a theological textbook, Scripture does contain uh, advice and wisdom to live a good moral life. But um, the point of Scripture isn't to tell you how to live a good life. Its point isn't to figure out how that you, a person, can be the, the best version of yourself, how to be the nicest person imaginable. Mm, yeah, it's it's not like a it's not like a self-help YouTube channel. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. Obviously it's not a YouTube dude, but you know what I mean? It's not like <laughs> it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's an exhaustive game plan about how to be the best person ever. And especially I mean like 
there's definitely great advice in there that you can pl- apply and definitely to all ages. But the idea of being like a, the nuances of being a good person in 2020 compared to a few hundred years ago, if you've ever seen The Good Place, mm. does a really good, um, like the TV show on Netflix, does a really good play on this about, because the whole thing is based on, I mean, and obviously we don't believe in the afterlife system that they present in that, but they have this whole like good and bad person points. Everything mm. good you do racks up a certain amount of points. But they had this point in the show where, and I, I, I don't know if this is like spoilers, but it's kind of kind of aging now, so whatever. Um, <laughs> but they have this thing where like, like trying to tally up good person points, but it's really hard because life's gotten so complicated. Like in the 1600s, if you picked up a flower and then gave it to somebody, that's just a really nice thing to do. But with this one, this person goes by and then like, can't pick a flower from the side of the road because they belong to the council. So that'd be a bad thing. That'd be stealing. And then goes to buy the flowers from a flower shop. But then it turns out that person's getting really bad wages and is mistreated. So then you've been fueling this bad um, business practices and fueling um, unfair wages. So you've done a bad thing by trying to do a good thing. It's (laughs) (laughs) I'm really overcomplicating it. But yeah, basically the whole thing is around how sometimes doing the right thing can be really complicated. Yeah. And, and even when it comes to the biblical characters that are often painted as being really good people, like I, this is one of the things that really rocked my world growing up in the church because, I mean, we all remember the, the story of David and Goliath where David is this heroic young boy who trusts in God that he's going to protect him and he defeats this monstrous giant and he becomes the king and everybody lives happily ever after, except they don't. Because <laughs> the story goes on. <laughs> the story goes on. I was never taught that as a child that actually David had some serious issues even when he became older. You know, he has a man killed um, so that he can marry the woman with whom he's been having an affair who was married to the man that he essentially murders. Uh, well, it's like he actually puts out a hit on this man, essentially telling his his general to wink, wink, you know, put him in the in the bad place where the fighting is going to be the worst so that he dies. Um, and and, yeah. and then throughout like the end of David's life, you know, his sons cause all sorts of horrible civil wars and catastrophes and dramas. I, I honestly think that the life of David and his sons could be the most epic Game of Thrones style <laughs> drama. Because some of the stuff that they do is just on the same level as messed up as as Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Um, so and, and yet and yet, David is a man after God's own heart, right? Yeah. So, well, that's the interesting crazy thing about thing. the Bible, and this is exact. This is why, like, it's so much more than just a guide for moral living. Again, you do get that from it, but it's like pretty much every good person in the Bible, except for one, being Jesus has yeah. their reputation totally marred in the same book that paints them as this amazing prophet <laughs> or, you know, p- person of God. Every yeah. single person has these low points where you're like, oh, that's what they're like. You know, like even like Elijah doing these incredible miracles and then goes into like serious depression and like suicidal thoughts. You're like, yeah, why did they include that? Like can't he yeah. just be like this amazing hero? But yeah, um, pretty much every single person in the Bible except for Jesus has their yeah. reputation absolutely like marred by something something else in their story. Yeah. So if the Bible is a book about good moral living, pretty much every character except Jesus fails at that. A- yeah. Absolutely <laughs> incredibly. So- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I think a third a third idea which is kind of linked to what we just talked about is um the Bible isn't a ticket to heaven. Right. Or it's not a get out of jail free card. Um, Many people, I guess, see Christianity and the Bible as sort of a a way of how and kind of uh, borrowing on that that uh, good place uh, language that we were just using. How do I get into the good place? How can I avoid getting into the bad place? That's sort of how we see it. Okay, I'm a Christian. I read the Bible. So in order to get into the good place, I have to read the Bible. I have to believe the right things. And the Bible is the way that I learn what those things are. And also the Bible is going to tell me how I can put those good beliefs into practice so that I can get into the good place and avoid 
going to the bad place. And it's just <laughs> sort of this very um, pragmatic sort of form, sort of very functional, like the Bible just exists so that I can make sure that I'm doing the right thing, um, which of course can lead to all sorts of really, really horrible behavior management sort of sort of things. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people treat Christianity like the only point of it is getting into heaven um, in general. And so obviously then that correlates to how they see the Bible. They just see the Bible as this is how I get to heaven and that's all That's all it's about. Um, but again, it's uh, it's so much more than that. Like, it's, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. Like, I, whenever I hear people talk about the Bible or like about Christianity like that, it just, uh, I just feel like kind of sad because I'm like, ah, there's so much about like living here. Yeah. That you could, you could be missing out on because of that, that mindset of the Bible. Yeah. Now, I think I think we in the SDA church are kind of guilty of this as well. Not in the sense of it, it's it's sort of different, like mainstream Christianity versus Seventh Day Adventist church, because I think mainstream Christianity is more focused on avoiding hell and mm. helping other people to avoid hell. Because yeah, heaven's great, but hell's like ten times more more on that scale terrible. So we have to make sure that we avoid <laughs> hell. Because heaven's great, but then hell's going to be horrible. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. Sort of thing. Whereas for Adventists, it's more along the lines of Jesus' second coming. You know, like I, I have to make sure that I have all the right beliefs, um, so that when Jesus comes again, I'm ready, and I'm not going to be like the the foolish virgins in Jesus' parable who uh, apparently didn't have the right theological beliefs and therefore were left outside. Like that's not the point of the story, but that's what we kind of make it into in a way. Mm. Um, we have to be like the, you know, the wise virgins, which I don't know why they're virgins. But anyway, that's that's just <laughs> that's just the it's parable. Bigger contextual story that we probably don't have time to do. <laughs> um, yeah. No, well, yeah. I, and this is the I know people are going to push back on this. And I, I kind of push back on it, too, when we were talking about it before, because you're like, wait, isn't the Bible about? about like getting into heaven yes obviously like heaven is a big key point but like we talked about before the actual details on what heaven's like are pretty minimal so if the bible was purely meant to be a ticket to heaven kind of thing it would probably be selling exactly what heaven will be like a lot more um obviously it's hard to build a a case of what something isn't (laughs) and what it doesn't include but to me it's it's like yes heaven is like a key idea, especially like, you know, teachings of Jesus and, um, and obviously in Revelation and that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. When I think about like what Jesus was teaching, so much more of it was about living your life, like the kingdom of heaven here and now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, we ha- it, we're we going to talk about this a little bit later on, but just to give you a bit of a, a head start on that, it's it's both. I think it's not either or, it's yes and. Um, Mm. because whilst we do have, um, discussions about heaven and those are pretty minimal, we also have a lot of discussion around what happens right here, right now. And I think it's that, um, you know, when Jesus first enters the scene in in Mark's gospel, the first words that we hear him utter are, um, behold, the the kingdom of heaven has come. Um, behold, Mm. the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is right here. That's Jesus's first recorded words in Mark's gospel. And it's that kingdom that Jesus spent so much time talking about. And yet I think in Christianity, mainstream Christianity, at least we spend so much time ignoring, um, that there is actually a kingdom that is here and, uh, it is a taste of the kingdom that is to come because, and again, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, ultimately we don't actually end up in heaven at the very, very end. Um, like the very, very end. Oh, the we actually, very, very end. I see what you're the saying. The very, yeah. very end. You yeah. know, <laughs> we actually don't end up in heaven at the very, very end. That's not where the story finishes. Um, ooh, ooh. <laughs> where are we going to go? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you say we are talking about that? Because I want to talk about that now, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will talk about that. We will talk about that at the end. Yeah. Um, um, so what would you say then? Is it fair to say the Bible's not a ticket to heaven? Should we say the Bible's not a ticket to heaven, but it contains a ticket to heaven? Or it contains but it contains the way to find the t- very <laughs> very heaven. interesting choice of words there. 
<laughs> no, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, because I think, ooh, I mean, look, I think most most people understand where we're we're going with this because we've already given so many hints. Yeah, I'm, towards I'm over explaining a clickbaity, a clickbaity headline there, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I well, look, clearly, clearly, the Bible itself isn't a ticket to heaven, right? Yeah, we're not going yeah. to read the Bible, understand everything that's in it, and then. God's going to give us a pop quiz at the end of all days to make sure that we, it's like the, the exam from hell. Could you imagine? (laughs) He's just like, he's like, get to, get to, get to the end when Jesus comes. He's like, wait, wait, Josh, how old was Nebuchadnezzar when he died? Uh, what? (laughs) (laughs) This is very Uh, important. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. All All right. right. Sorry. All right, cool. Uh, should, we go, should we go on to Finally, the what, what's the last what the Bible isn't, Josh? The Bible isn't a divine drop from heaven straight from the lips of God. Ooh. Yeah, some people aren't going to like that one. <laughs> so the Bible is not a divine drop. I wonder what that means. Well, let's tell you. <laughs> yeah, like uh, you wrote that title, Jesse, so you tell me. Okay. I know, I know. No, so we um, later on in the podcast series, we might do an episode on inspiration um, because it's probably one of the more misunderstood ideas around how the Bible came to be. Uh, and it really does influence the way that we think about the Bible. But I guess if we could summarize that, um, that piece on inspiration... Um, many people think whether they understand this cognitively or it's just something that they take for granted that the Bible is kind of like um, God's divine dictation pad of like imagine imagine God like pacing around a room and he's just talking and the author, whether it's Moses or Paul or Mark or whatever, they're just writing down everything or like <laughs> write that down. Write that down. Yeah. Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> or like God maybe like takes like possesses the person and and forces them to write something that they didn't have in their heads otherwise like a divine puppet master or something like that. Like that's the sort of picture that most people probably think about what the Bible is. Yeah, well, people with even less understanding I've heard people talk about the Bible like it it literally dropped out of the sky, you know. Right. It wasn't right. even written by humans is how some people talk about it. And it's, yeah, I'm trying to, like, maybe even I thought about it like that when I was a kid, like God lent us this book or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, 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 right. Yeah, I think that's how some people probably see it. Like it's so not ours in a way. Like God came down to earth one day and just handed, I don't know, Moses <laughs> these stone tablets and they had to carry them down yeah. and transcribe them into papyri or something like Yeah, that. yeah. Like you the Ten Commandments. You get a tablet. You all get a tablet. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. And this come, there, there, there's, there's more problems when you consider that there are actually um, uh, books of the Bible that are not included in our Protestant canon, that there are certain books that we came along one day and we said, you know, I don't think, I don't think this makes the cut. And if everything is from God, if everything is divine dictation or some godly puppet master, then, well, that's really problematic because <laughs> are you saying that certain things, uh, you know, God put his hand on one thing, but then the other thing he was like, eh, you, you guys figure it out. It's all good. You know, <laughs> either it's all d- divine dictation or none of it is. Yeah, which, right? I mean, especially interesting when you think about like the, the book of Enoch. Yeah, which is actually quoted in our Bible, but then not included in our Bible, which is very strange to a lot of people. But that's a bit of a, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> yeah, I would like to. I think that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I know. Yes, I know you'd like to. I'm I'm less knowledgeable on the subject, so I'm not as inclined to. I can get educated by the time we do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it for divine, the divine drop. It's just yeah, not. Well, okay. Not Let's, we, we yeah. I think we should probably highlight one one little fact. And the fact is that, and we might get into this when we talk about inspiration and um, there's another word that goes along with that. But anyway, inspiration specifically, um, or interpretation. But the fact is the Bible is actually, we'll talk about this in just a moment again. I keep on saying that. 
but the Bible was edited, written, carefully arranged, rearranged and ordered over many, many, many centuries by hundreds of different people from the original authors to scribes and editors and redactors. What we have right now, like the picture Josh just mentioned before, uh, it wasn't just sort of a stone tablet floating down from heaven given down on high by an angel or by God to whoever, and that's what we have today. It was actually written by human hands, and that written writing by human hands has actually been affected by a multitude of, of different sources and a multitude of different factors, which we will talk about as we get along in this series. Definitely. Yeah, cool. So, quick recap. The Bible is not a systematic theology textbook. The Bible is not a guide for moral living. Moral living. The, guy, the Bible is not a ticket to heaven, and the Bible is not a divine drop from heaven, straight from the lips of God. Quick disclaimer, again, for those who take everything we say out of context. <laughs> quick disclaimer again. Remember, those things can be found in the Bible, yeah. but we're saying that's not what it purely is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Great. Josh, then what is the Bible? We'll talk about that next time. No, I'm kidding. No, we're going to do it now. Okay. <laughs> uh, You're just going to tease us. <laughs> yeah, no. So, okay, a big revelation for me in terms of understanding the Bible was when I moved to actually understanding it as not a singular book, but a library, a library. So, what do you mean by that? Interesting. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Okay, so the Bible, it's not just... A lot of people feel, I mean... In a way, you could say it's got one author, like if you're being like, yeah, cool, it's quite, funky, spiritual yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a way, like obviously, it does have the same like Holy Spirit inspiring all the Bible authors. So in a way, it is one book, but it's it's a product of hundreds, thousands of years of writing, editing, rearranging, ordering, just like what you were saying before. It's yeah. it's like all of these works have come together, and. The thing is, like, it's got different genres in it. It's got different um, cultural contexts, literary styles, and different audiences even that, it, like, different parts of the Bible were written to. Um, and so it, it gets pretty – when you start – when you try and, like, to think of it as one book, I've, I've never read a book that had multiple, <laughs> multiple <laughs> audiences intended – for different sections of the books plus different literary styles, genres – plus different authors. To me, that's never going to be one book. That's always going to be a library of books. Yeah. Maybe with a common like theme, but yeah. A, a compilation or some like a, an almanac or in, in some I ways- I've never the, heard the word almanac until just now. You have never heard the word almanac? I do not almanac? know what that word is. Almanac? All right, I'm, I'm going to Google it. We have some listeners in Albany. Albany? Al is that how you Albany? say it? How do Americans <laughs> say it? I've never been there. I don't know. I, I may have used that word out of context. It's possible. Um, maybe. Sorry, maybe I shouldn't have called you out on it because I'm, I'm just saying I don't, I've never heard the word. I don't know. What, you could have made that word up right now. An almanac just is a publication with a calendar for the upcoming year, particularly <laughs> in terms of weather, astronomy, and meteorology. So... <laughs> The Bible um, is not an almanac. The Bible is definitely not an almanac. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could say the Bible the is... The Bible does contain almanacs. No, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, it, it, it may be possible that I was just throwing out book words that I knew. <laughs> That's related to books, right? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. We should have just let it slide, right? I feel shamed. I feel called I, out and I feel I just wanted to shamed. know what the word was. Well, it's actually, I was going to say, I was going to say, I was going to say encyclopedia because I feel like an encyclopedia is closer to what the Bible is than let's say a novel or even <laughs> an, al a, an almanac. An almanac. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't, you know, okay, an encyclopedia. Yeah, you could almost say that that's closer in a way. Yeah. In a way, sort of, sort of like a... Because, an, oh, because yeah. what? An encyclopedia contains history. It contains mm -hmm. random facts. Um, it it, it can, contains story. It, it contains narrative. Sometimes, yeah, art sometimes, like poetry and that kind of thing can right. be in encyclopedias. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
So, and yet nobody would look at an encyclopedia and go, that's one <laughs> book. <laughs> Nora certainly would not say that. No, sorry. <laughs> For those watching, my cat just jumped. I didn't even know she was here. She just jumped straight on. Hey, Nora. Nora yeah. looks well, gigantic. At this angle, she looks like she's the same size as you. She's huge. She's, huge. Stop eating my microphone. Okay. Um, but, but, you know, what you were saying before is absolutely true. In Matt, like, what other book would you read that contains poetry and apocalypse and narrative and, like, somebody's personal letters to somebody else or, like, biography, like, all in one? And they all supposedly are leading to the same point and to the same destination. Yeah. Well, that's... The amazing thing about the Bible is how, oh my goodness, sorry, I'm getting a lot of cat interruption here, is how interconnected it all is despite all of those differences. That's why for me it's, there is something more than just human hands on it for me. That's right. If I was to add like another, like we don't, this is not official in our what the Bible is, but if I was to add another what the Bible is, I would say it's more along the lines of like a miraculous gift from God because- Because whilst it is a library of um, carefully arranged pieces, the fact that they all work together to lead us to the same conclusion, to the same destination, is is miraculous. And there's no it's way yeah, that incredible. yeah, yeah, it has to be divine. It has to be. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, uh, and I think you know if people want more uh, information on what on that sort of idea of. The, the Bible being a library, I would definitely recommend um, Gordon Fee's book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, and it really digs into the different genres. Um, even Rob Bell's What is the Bible um, is... Ah, uh, there he is. <laughs> Gordon right Fee. next to me, yes. Douglas Stewart. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. And uh, I have Rob Bell's book as well, but it's uh, not a physical one. Ah, I see. Yes. Sorry. Um, two two very good books that helped me understand um, the Bible and all its different genres. Um, yeah, but okay. Finally, uh, last last thought, and I think this is really the one that's going to pull us all together. We've been hinting at it, but Josh, uh, what is the Bible finally and ultimately? Yeah, well, very similar to our last one. It is one continuous story from multiple cultures and authors that ultimately leads to Jesus and invites us into a story of new creation. Yeah. Mm. So I think the real key point here is where the Bible begins and where the Bible ends Um, because the Bible begins with darkness and God breathing life into that darkness. Um, God creates a beautiful, bountiful, abundant world and he appoints man and woman to be his his co-rulers, his um, equal partners in ruling and reigning in this abundant world. And it ends with that same restoration. In the middle, of course, everything goes horribly wrong. And there's a big, long, elaborate story that ultimately culminates with Jesus being the heroic, the heroic savior for the entire world and, um, but at the end, it's about it's about creation and new creation and um, human beings ruling alongside God in peace and abundance uh, according to his wisdom. Mm. Yeah, well, that's the big thing we, we hinted to before that, I mean, a lot of people have the misconception that our aim is to just go to heaven. But really, the big thing is to get heaven onto earth. You know, yeah. that's that's where it ultimately goes to that. Even after we go to heaven, then thousand years come back, New Jerusalem yeah. on earth. And so it's like earth is ultimately our home, but well, I feel like to be with God is ultimately our home. You know what I mean? Like that's why I don't really have that big a problem when somebody says, I want to go home. I want to go home to heaven because I'm like, well, mm. you know, I get why you think that's homely, but ultimately it's it's like being with God is, is home. Yeah. And that's why it doesn't feel like home, even though this is the, the earth, the planet we were made for to be on doesn't feel like home when God's not here. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. God's not like he was in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's like the, it's such a crazy thing to think about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's mind yeah. bending. But we're not going to be floating for thousands of millions of years on clouds in a toga playing a harp. Like that is not... 
that's not where the story ends. Yeah. I feel like that's a far side comic or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's the thing. And you constantly see throughout the Bible these same, I don't know, it's like fragments and reflections of this whole mm. thing about about heaven on earth and, and God interacting with his people. You just see all these themes constantly bouncing and reflecting throughout all of this, even though it's by all of these different authors in all of these different times in all of these different styles. And yeah, it's just mind boggling, you know, Yeah. yeah. to think about. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. That's why like, I know we, d- we already talked about it, but just the way all the Bible has come together, even though all of this stood in its way and how expensive it is to even write, like, you know, we take for granted. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. easy it is for us to write something down on a piece of paper now, but even in the New Testament, that stuff was expensive, yeah, and difficult, yeah, and yet oh. we have all of this. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, um, the Bible is a story, and though it contains elements of poetry and of theology and of moral wisdom and of uh, talk about the afterlife and heavenly heavenly matters. Um, at the end of it, it's a story and it's not just a story that we are invited to um, read or listen to and then uh, meditate on, even though we are, it's also a story that we are invited to participate in. And, and continue. And continue because the Bible doesn't end in the past. It ends in events that have not happened yet. And that's the strange, crazy, mind-bending and exciting part of it that um, we are invited to continue uh, from, you know, Acts chapter 29. You know, we, we continue, we, we are invited to be that next chapter yeah. in what Jesus is doing in the world. That's so cool. We're like the next book of Acts. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. feel like there could be a few just based on the time frame. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> a few after. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like 2020 would be its own spin-off book of Acts. <laughs> it's like, so what about when the church couldn't meet together? <laughs> Find out in Acts. Book number 13. I don't know. That's that's like the chapter where it's like the Empire Strikes Back of Acts. You know? <laughs> yeah. But then there is, there is the return of the Jedi and that's Revelation. <laughs> the return of the Lamb. Oh, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> um, and I guess, I guess for me, it comes back to um, that that um, little saying that the Bible Project has become so famous for. Um, they share all the time, and that the Bible is ultimately a story that leads to Jesus. And though that might sound like an oversimplification, um, it's true because that's what it is. Yeah. And that, I mean, we're going to talk about this again later, but it doesn't hurt to go over it twice. This is exactly why, like, so it sounds so cliche to say, but like Jesus being at the center is so important. But it actually, even in the way you interpret the Bible and understand the Bible, you need to constantly look at the Bible as one continuous and unified story leading to Jesus. You know, like the yeah. way you interpret and read every part of the Bible, that has to come, like Jesus has to be the bottom line. And that... Yeah. Even once you understand this stuff and once, you know, I mean, and maybe for you, you've already heard these sort of points before, like maybe you're aware of this already, but this is stuff that we like culturally is echoed through, like the cliches of Christianity. All of this stuff is in the cliches of Christianity. But like when we're coming into actually what does it really mean to follow Jesus and what does it really mean to read and engage and, and understand the Bible? Ultimately, like it comes down to like Jesus and him being the bottom line of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, Well, I hope that you all enjoyed that um, little introduction into this series. Um, I'm excited for where this is going to take us and uh, we want to hear from you. If you have a, a question that you would like to ask about anything that we talked about today or anything unrelated to uh, what we've talked about, but centering around the Bible and how to read it and um, any questions or um, troubles that you might have around that subject, we would love to 
uh, hear from you. So the best way to do that is to send us an email at burnthehaystackpodcast at gmail.com. If you uh, have a question, you can feel free to uh, send it to us in written form. But if you want to be extra awesome, um, record yourself uh, using your phone or whatever recording device you have available to you. Keep it under 30 seconds and uh, we might very well play it on the podcast next time. You can time. feature on the podcast. Your voice could be yeah. featured alongside our voice. It's like we're yeah. in the room together. That'd be so cool. <laughs> uh, that'd be neat. No, yeah, so um, we would love all of your questions on this. Um, sort of depending on what questions we get, um, we're still sort of working out what how we like how many questions we get we might do a whole like yeah question and response episode but otherwise we can reformat it i don't know we're gonna work that out so just any questions you have on reading the bible understanding the bible what it is we'd love 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 for you to send them to us awesome and that uh email address once again is burn the haystack podcast at gmail.com and if you are too lazy to write that down you can always go to our website burn the haystack um dot org and uh, you'll find a contact form where you can send that through to us really easily and simply. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So thanks, guys. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, if you'd love to support the podcast, you can buy merch. That's a great way to support the podcast. And the other way is, of course, to leave a review, a written review, because then it helps people know that we're legitimate, that other people have good things to say about us and that we're <laughs> worth listening to. So make sure you leave reviews because it really helps um, podcast out so even if it's not just uh, if you've already written one for us write one for another podcast just write reviews for podcasts it helps them out heaps and of course for everything burn the haystack related you can go to burnthehaystack.org that includes everything from our social media accounts to an email form uh, and also our, our merch so everything burn the haystack related is all at burnthehaystack.org Absolutely. How weird is it that we just swap those roles around? You know, we, we did not we talk that about other... that. No, no, we didn't. But it just kind of happened naturally just, and organically. I feel like this is going to be set in stone, like the Bible, for the next one thousand years. <laughs> this is how. <laughs> That's how it is. Um, yep. Hey, and you know, like if you haven't caught on yet, we're on YouTube as well. So if you want to watch things um, that we do, if you want to watch the video of this, you can watch it on YouTube. And if you want to see Nora jumping on the podcast, you can watch that. It, will probably happen in many episodes because YouTube she likes to is, do that. is your one-stop shop for all Nora related content. <laughs> I do I do really wish that Sonny would do it from time to time. I never see Sonny. He's ever. too shy. He's too shy. He knows the camera's on. In case in case you guys don't know, Josh doesn't have one the one cat. He has two cats. He has Sonny, this lovely black cat who is just great but he's also like the most scaredy cat cat you'll ever meet in your life yep he's when no one's around no cameras are on he's great but as soon as the camera's on someone else is around no yeah he's hidden he's hidden away in the shadows with his amber eyes glowing (laughs) (laughs) okay well we're harping on but hey um we're going to continue this series um we're not exactly sure we think it could go for three four maybe maybe five episodes who knows Um, (laughs) who knows who knows but we just got so much stuff we want to unpack with this and we think it's a big haystack that needs to be burned so we'd love 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 if you join us send your questions all that stuff we're so excited anything else to add before we go jesse i love you all and i can't wait for what this season has in store for everybody Onward to season four. That is Josh and Jesse out. <laughs>